You're listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, bringing the most inspirational leaders in the Australian tech industry together to collaborate, share stories and exchange ideas. I'm Liam McDade, co-founder of Evolution Australia, and today I'll be your host. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast and the latest in our talent acquisition series, where we're going to be talking about proactive employee engagement and retention strategies. As ever, we have a panel of industry experts today who are ready to share their thoughts and insights with you on this topic. So let's get into the intros. Uh, over to you, Amy. Hey, Liam. Um, really good to be here. Thanks for having me. So I'm Amy and I am the talent manager at Wheel. We are an Australian founded, um, I think we'd position ourselves as a scaling startup in the fintech space. So we're a virtual corporate card and spend management software. Essentially, what we do is we take the pain out of business payments and expenses for small to medium enterprises. So a bit about me, I've been with Will for about eight months. I joined to set up their first internal talent department. And we've grown from, I think, just under 20 at the start of the year to 53, 54 today. Prior to Will, I spent three years as the regional APAC talent acquisition partner for a US cybersecurity company. And before I started my life in tech, I was um, in TA for three years, but within the manufacturing sector. Key passion of mine um, when it comes to TA is really about creating a sense of community and, and really doing that by being intentional at every stage of the hiring process. And outside of work, I love being a puppy auntie to all of my friends' dogs. And I love podcasts, although I've never been on one. Well, you, you are you are now. <laughs> welcome, welcome aboard. Thank you. Um, thanks for that. Um, Jenny. Hi, I'm super excited to be here. Also my first podcast. So um, let's see how this goes. Um, but I'm Jenny. I'm the talent acquisition manager um, at Mecca Brands, um, which is uh, Australia's um, largest beauty retailer, essentially. Um, I've been with the business for about three years now and joined initially to help support with the um, technology and digital transformation um, that they were about to kick off, um, which has been a really exciting three years. I've taken um, that team or that space from around 60 people when I first joined the business to now around 185, so pretty significant growth and investment. Um, and overall, uh, our head office or support centre has grown from around 350 people to now 700, so really exciting growth over the last couple of years and that has been driven um, by a number of transformation projects and pieces of work in flight. Um, my background, I have been in recruitment for almost 10 years, which is pretty scary. I started in agency land. I then went into RPO with Corn Ferry before coming internal. So I've done sort of all of the spaces. Um, outside of work, I um, love yoga. I completed my yoga teacher training this year and um, will never shut up about my cat, Zeus, because I love being a cat mom to him. Okay. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Jenny. Um, and Angelica, over to you. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for having me, Liam. Um, also my first podcast, so <laughs> really excited about that. Um, I am the Senior Talent Development Manager at Redbubble. So if you haven't heard of Redbubble, we are a platform that connects independent artists to their customers um, who can log on um, to our website and literally choose from millions of designs in our site um, and have that printed onto a physical product on demand. Um, so that's super exciting. Um, everything that we do is pretty much to support artists 
artists uh, and help them to get their work out there and generate an income for themselves, which is um, really exciting. Uh, we're headquartered in Melbourne, but we've got offices in San Francisco and Berlin um, and quite a large customer base um, globally, which globally as well. So. Um, my background is actually in recruitment um, for the past 10 years, but my role at Redbubble has actually um, changed recently and become more internally focused. And so um, I'm working on building out some structures um, within the business to support some talent planning um, and helping to develop uh, internal career opportunities for our existing employees. That's me. Awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. Great to have you with us. Um, so why are we talking about proactive employee engagement and retention strategies today? Um, look, with, a, with an incredibly uh, competitive employment market, particularly in the tech space, people are being approached for and offered exciting new roles by competing companies every day. This is a major factor in the, in the average tenure of software engineers specifically being less than two years currently. Uh, and that puts a lot of pressure on talent acquisition functions within businesses, especially growing tech companies with ambitions to scale um, to keep up with the demand um, from their hiring managers. So naturally, anything that a company can do to engage and retain people longer term will be a massive competitive advantage uh, to those companies. So that's what we wanted to cover in today's episode. Uh, naturally, the starting point of employee engagement is the candidate experience through the hiring process. So that felt like a logical place for us to start. Um, Amy, the uh, the intersection of, of candidate experience and employee engagement is something you're especially passionate about. So let's kick off by getting your thoughts on that. Yeah, amazing. So the intersection of candidate experience and employee engagement is a little bit of a mouthful, but hopefully as I start talking, I'll be able to simplify it a little bit. I think um, obviously all of us here today would be in agreement that candidate experience and employee engagement are crucial, critical to the success of any organisation when it comes to attracting and retaining people. However, what I think is very often overlooked is this period between when a candidate signs a contract and when they join a company. So I've termed it, I've decided to label it notice period limbo um, for the sake of this conversation. <laughs> it's often um, a, a real black hole between candidate experience and then ongoing employee engagement communication often dries up um, aside from you know having to fill in a few HR forms here and there and it's ironic because this is a time for for people which is a time of like especially high anxiety um, we're so aware of their needs and their experience at the as a candidate and we're so aware of their experience as an employee but we often forget about them when they're in that in-between phase so which really you would call the pre-boarding phase um, so this this unique point in time in that candidate to employee life cycle. Um, so really wanted to talk about that being a huge opportunity. I, I really believe that we should start thinking of new hires as employees from the day they sign their contract, not the day they start with us, and really use that as an opportunity to build trust, to build loyalty, um, security and attachment, which is a word I'm going to come back to um, as we continue the chat. I think at, at the end of the day, we absolutely run a high risk of falling behind if we wait until day one to actively engage a new hire, especially since 40% of turnover generally happens in the first month as well. We can definitely get a head start by putting more thought into this um, notice period limbo. I guess as a caveat to that, there's definitely a line between bombarding people um, when they're still working or maybe taking a break between roles and obviously there's that awareness of you know there's security measures and in terms of how much access you can give them but there is a lot that we can do um so yeah I think it's also important to mention that just because a new hire 
as you mentioned, Liam, it's a it's an incredible incredibly candidate short. Uh, market just because a, a new hire or a candidate has accepted an offer absolutely doesn't mean we're safe and they're going to join um i was actually listening to one of your i think it was the last podcast that you guys did at evolution where they were talking about us being in this period of like very much over average offer withdrawals to the point that um people are experiencing people not actually even turning up on their first day and it's absolutely true so um yes yeah, I, I guess it's likely that our offer like even when somebody signed a contract, our offer's still being weighed up up until the day that they start. It's being weighed up against other opportunities. It's probably still being used as a bit of, or could still be being used as a bargaining chip um, yeah. within their own company as well. Um, and yeah. obviously post COVID as well, people have got a much bigger sense of looking after themselves as number one, which is absolutely how it should be. Um, but that puts the onus on us to put extra time and thought into this pre-boarding um, process. It's really going to help not only drum up excitement, but um, hopefully ease any lingering doubts that they might have that might tempt them to explore other opportunities. Yeah, like I think look, we, we, I suppose, you know, in the, in the agency space, we um, we were lots of different clients with lots of different, um, you know, offer processes, onboarding processes, um, timelines, and, and whatnot. And and it's definitely noticeable that the companies, uh, and I don't have any kind of you know, numerical data or, or, or quantification of this, but it definitely feels like, and it's noticeable that um, companies who have a very clear idea around, okay, well, look, the offer has been accepted. This goes out, the, you know, the laptop bits get sent to them. We've got to meet the team lunch or we've, you know, it, it, it doesn't even need to be anything especially, um, you know, grand, but yeah. it's constant, right? There is, there's, there, we do this and then we do this and then we do this yeah. just to keep them, um, you know, keep the, your, your new employee, your new colleague, um, engaged in the process because they are an employee now. Okay, they're not on the payroll yet, um, and they're not. You know, they're not not sitting next to you, but mm-hmm. they are part of that. You've offered them a position within the organisation. They've accepted it, um, and as you say, like it's a, it's it's a minefield for counter offers. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, buyer remorse, changing your mind, yeah. anxiety. Um, so the closer that that the companies can can keep to that. Again, I, I agree. There's definitely a balance. Like you can overshare and over communicate during that period yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, like I think the the there's definitely a um, uh, a noticeable difference in the. Um, the feeling of engagement through a candidate. So obviously we we continue to speak to candidates through the through the process as well because we have we also obviously clearly have a vested interest in that person accepting the job uh, and starting. Um, but yeah, that there, it, there's definitely a feeling of greater um, engagement and and attachment to use your word, Amy, um, where there is a defined process of follow up rather than okay, you sign the contract, great, see you in four weeks. You know, yeah. don't forget to don't forget to bring your passport. You know, it's, it, it, there there has to be more in between because. Um, yeah, otherwise the, the the risk of that person not starting is, you know, I think it, it probably it probably grows daily over that two or four week period. Um, Jenny, what are your thoughts on that? I was going to say, Amy has a much nicer term for it because I've been calling it the valley of death. <laughs> <laughs> we, I think I went to, um, it was the employee engagement summit a couple of weeks ago and the statistic that came out of that was something like 30 to 40% are hires, like people are withdrawing post acceptance of offers. Mm. Um, and that really does speak to, I guess, a change in candidate behavior. Historically, I think we've all thought, you know, you offer somebody a new role, they're very excited to join the business and whatever it might be, um, and you expect them to show up on day one, and now people are still staying in processes post-acceptance, or they're then being approached for offers. 
in that notice period and because processes are moving so fast that you're going, you know, they're dropping out at that point. So, um, yeah, it's been a really interesting shift in kind of how we're having to operate and, and build in those additional touch points and, and check-ins and make sure that they are engaged, but also candidate behaviour is changing um, quite dramatically in the current market. So, yeah, maybe I should use your term instead of mine. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was, we, we have a, we have a, a, a kind, of a, a kind of a joke, but I think it's, it's, it's serious as well in, internally that, um, you know, recruitment is very much like dating. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, if you went on a on a first or second date with somebody and then you didn't hear from them for four weeks, right? Then, you know, that's that 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 engagement within that within that that that, that scenario is you know not gonna feel as as um as as engaged. Um you know, you're not gonna not gonna feel as excited about that opportunity. Um you know, in two or four weeks' time, if there's just radio silence in, in, in between, I think that would, you know, reduces the expectations, reduces the excitement, and by virtue of that, potentially reduces the, um, you know, the commitment and the and the, um, the the performance of that person coming to the business. Um, Angelica, you, you had your hand up as well. Yeah, I was just going to say in regards to sort of that time and not knowing how to reach out to people and not wanting to sort of create more process hurdles and more kind of work for them in the background. Um, I found that it's really good to get the actual hiring manager to reach out and have a coffee, yeah. just start building that personal touch um, rather than um, it always being coming from the talent person or PNC, um, which is very process driven. I think it's really critical at that point that, you know, that the, um, the person who's been hired is building a relationship with the person that is going to be their manager. Um, so, yeah, that was absolutely. And, you know, like you said, it, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Really simple steps make a massive impact. Obviously, in a perfect world, if you had all the cash in the world, you'd have, you know, integrative recruitment system with your HRIS and maybe a really flashy, lovely onboarding um, piece of tech as well. That's great in a perfect world, but, you know, there's steps that you can put in place before you get to that point, even as simple as if you're able to, including the hiring manager in the offer email so that you've opened that line of communication instantly for them to reply. Um, just, you know, really, really small tweaks to your process that can make a huge difference and keep those communication lines open. So I'm going to assume then, Amy, that, you've, that we'll have a, um, you know, a kind of a formalized structure or a process around this. Is there one one part of that that you would kind of point to and say that's the the most engaging or that's the that's the one that that, that we get a lot, a lot of feedback on the other one 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 tip you'd perhaps give the give the audience today yeah i wouldn't say we have a formalized process um we're on the journey there's lots of things on the roadmap that we've got um but you know yeah again it's simple steps i think it, it's that it's really as simple as staying connected so it's including that manager it's you know we do you do have to remind them they've got their day jobs to do as well it's reminding them to invite invite that person to um a, a team off-site that they might have before they start it's um getting them to sending them a text message if something great happens in the team before they start so we just land you know if it's sales for example hey just wanted to let you know we just landed this amazing customer or we've just invented this new piece of technology just letting them know what's going on in the business before they actually start um I think is a is, is a really easy win. It really depends on, I guess, what yeah the the maturity of the systems that you've got set up in terms of how automated the reminders are and how structured the the communication is. 
Um, if you've got a buddy program, you know, giving your buddies prompts and maybe conversation starters, but equally you want to make it as organic as possible. So you don't want to pre-write too much. Um, you know, you don't want to get hiring managers to send out templates to everyone every week because it's going to, it's not going to feel authentic. Um, it's just kind of pushing people along in the right direction and, and getting them to understand the impact of these small activities. Yeah, I think the, the um, it's, it's a fine line between, you know, because everybody's different, but people have different expectations of mm. what, of what you know, undersharing, oversharing is. Um, yeah. you know, it might be a bit bit too soon to add people to the team WhatsApp group, for example, before they've actually started. Um, yeah. But, you know, um, I like that one about sharing, um, sharing news and 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 you know wins wins inside the business make them feel feel a part of that and and kind of excited about the opportunities to perhaps work on this new project that they've just just won with a with a, with a client or or um um or, or anything like that you know I think that 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 it, it's more it's another opportunity to, to to sell the um the success of the business and you know the things you'll get to get to work on when you're here and we're looking forward yeah. to having you involved and stuff like that it's just an, an an opportunity to 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 reach out um that doesn't necessarily feel forced. I agree yeah. to, to your point about, you know, if it's kind of pre-worded and, and feels like one of those, you know, mass emails, that, you know, mass emails that that, 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 uh, um, that people receive, they're clearly not personalized. Yeah. Um, and, and to that point, let's, let's be honest, you know, someone who's working a two or four week notice period, they're still going to be getting emails from other companies offering mm-hmm. them other jobs as well. So, um, you know, to be to be part of that conversation, to be, you know, a beacon of familiarity in amongst an inbox of, of, of strangers offering you offering you the world um yeah. you know it, it, it would be comforting i guess as well cool okay so so we we've got them to, we've got them to start okay they're they're, they're excited they're, they already feel part of the team they turned up on the first day um jenny one of the things when, when you and i were talking about um i talked about today's podcast and some of the kind of themes we're going to be covering um something that you were really passionate about and and and, and talked about in, in, in quite a bit of detail um was around um promoting learning and development again right from that you know, day one or even, you know, day zero, day minus five. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something you wanted to, you wanted to spend some time talking about today. So, um, I know the Mecca brands is, is something that's, that's a, a, a big thing for you. That's gone under a lot of, um, uh, planning and, and influencing a whole new kind of process around that. So opportunity for you to kind of share that with, um, with us today and, and, and talk a bit about the, the, the reasons behind that and, and, and the benefits that that will bring. Yeah, sure. And I think um, maybe just kind of jumping on the back of Amy's comment around sort of onboarding in those first few weeks being so critical, even with learning and development, we have our own in, I guess, in-house learning platform, which we call Mechaversity, Um, but we send candidates articles around kind of Mecca and who we are and what we're doing before they start. So they get to kind of like play in in that system as well um, and see how we do learning and development. But I think very lucky being at Mecca that education is at the core of everything that we do our education team in regards to our stores is critical to our success um, and that really just filter through into the rest of the business and joe and pete um, joe the founder and pete her husband are super passionate about um, development as well so we've acknowledged i think in the sort of tech space if we talk specifically to that area that the, I guess, drive for candidates to learn and develop in in tech is huge and is actually a necessity to their roles as well because technology is moving so quickly. Um, so what we've done over the last sort of six to 12 months is kind of see how do we 
build something specifically for that area of the business to help them in their career development and growth within Mecca. Um, so we've been really lucky and built out, I guess, a tool um, and essentially that kind of maps all of the different careers and, and roles that we have within Mecca. And then you can go in and you, you know, benchmark yourself against the different skills and experience within each of those roles and then sort of map it to where you might want to go. So um, it really gives you a clear view of either where you are in your current role. And if you're wanting to do a, a, you know, a vertical career path, you can see sort of what is the step from junior to mid, senior, lead, whatever it might be. Or you can see the clear steps and areas that you need to develop in if you are wanting to make a lateral move into a different team or area of the, I guess, tech or digital business, um, which is really important because we do know that these um, types of candidates or talent really, really love those different moves and trying different things. And um, so it's been yeah, really exciting for us to sort of see that build and get ready to launch that into the business um, alongside sort of the other education and development pieces that we we already offer, which is pretty extensive considering the business. Yeah, no, I think again, yeah, we we all speak to lots of candidates around um, who you know trying to engage them in in the business that we're working with, um, and I I feel like again I don't have I don't have you know exact stats around this, but I feel like learning and development and 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 um, you know future growth is something that. Um, more people, either more, either more people are, are are looking for, or the people that are looking for it more. But it definitely feels like it's more important um, than it was. It has always been important, obviously. Um, but I think you know, and I, I mentioned the stat earlier about um, you know the average tenure of a software engineer being being just under two years. I don't think the market wants that to be the case. Um, but I think. Um, you know, things can things do. You know, th things move that quickly with technology, and um, the opportunities that exist outside of an organisation often are greater than, you know, certainly greater in volume than exist inside inside an organisation. And I think a lot of the time, um, you know, you can you almost head off the the need to make a counter offer to someone who's who's who says they're going to leave the business by. Um, you know, having a, a conversation up front about what what looks like in the future, so they're not actually looking out in 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 the first place. I think you know when we when we obviously we've all we've all come across the counter offer before, um, and I think the uh, you know, one of the things that we always hear when when someone is tempted to accept a counter offer is that are they you know they've they've said that they'll put me on this training course or they'll put me on this part of promotion or whatever, and I think. Let's. Uh, we'll have our own opinions on counter offers. That's not what we're talking about today. Um, but um, I think the strategy that 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 Mecca and lots of other companies are going down right now is is a really a really positive thing because it people already know what's in, what's in front of them. Yeah. Right. Um, people know that there's. It's not a surprise when you go and hand your notice in that. Oh, we we're going to put you on that training course next week. You know, mm -hmm. it's it, it, you, you've known about that. It's a training course that you've selected that's been put in a you know in a, in a in a in a, uh, a learning development plan for you for for a long time, and you're you're really engaged in that. Um, Angelica, you wanted to to add something to that. 
Yeah, I think um, I think Jenny made a really interesting point around considering lateral moves and the way that we as businesses uh, and PNC and talent people um, actually consider um, career development because I think the old-fashioned way of thinking about things is that it's just a you know upward ladder. Um, and I think what you know the last couple of years has taught us is that people really want to expand and grow, um, and that doesn't just mean getting a promotion. That means upskilling and learning um, lots of different pieces of a business is not just the silo that you find yourself in at that time. So um, I think there's a lot of opportunity, um, you know, for businesses to actually look at this um, and think about where they can redeploy their talent, where they can, um, you know, fill gaps with someone who is really interested in that space, um, but just no one knows about it because no one asks the right questions. Um, and so I think there's a lot that can be done there. Amy, what do you think about that? Yeah, agree. And just wanted to add on, I think, to your point, Angelica, um, just really driving home that management isn't the only ladder for people either. Um, it's not the only ladder for people to climb, you know, so making sure that there's, you know, technical pathways or specialist career paths outside of traditional people management and really training leaders to identify what success looks like to different people in their team and not just assume that because, you know, we're in a particular function, there's a, a standard traditional career path that everyone might want to follow. Yeah, actually, when we spoke about this the other day, Jenny, I was, I was, that's the kind of thing that, that, that really stood out to me was um, that kind of, I suppose, conventional, you know, junior, become a mid, then you become a senior, and then you become a lead, and then you become a manager, and, and, and so on, that that that, um, that kind of linear um, promotion scale. Um, and again, you know, we speak to lots of candidates uh, for lots of different roles as, as, as an agency, and and one of the, one of the more... Um, one of the more challenging conversations we've had, and I'm sure we've all had similar, is when someone says, oh, yeah, this is what I do. This is what all my experience is in. But this is what I want to go down. This is what I want to be. Um, you know, and as much as we can we can, we can, can coach and, and give examples and, um, you know, some, some insight into how they might be able to achieve that, the actual ability to get a job in that other area um, is is a massive challenge, right? And it often requires people to take um, a significant step down in terms of level, seniority, salary, all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be really interested in, in, in kind of getting your insight, Jenny, on on, on how Mecca are are doing that or, or will be doing that to to make that transition a bit more um, a bit easier for, for for people who who perhaps don't just want to be a software engineer for for uh, uh, increasing seniority for the rest of their career, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think we, um, I, I guess we talked about it as well in terms of, um, I guess, where do people want to go and how that is easier internally sometimes if you already have business knowledge and you know systems and processes and and whether you are shifting into a different technology it's easy when you already have that sort of baseline understanding of the place that you're working all the relationships and friendships in place to learn a lot faster than if you're joining a new organization so um and we do already we really do encourage internal mobility and taking those lateral moves so if we have people apply for roles and we go actually this isn't quite the right role for you right now we can then sit and we put them in contact with the managers in those spaces and and other team members to be like, hey, this person is interested in your area. Can you please, you know, wrap some support, go talk to them around what they would need to do this. And hopefully this tool will then sort of really, I guess, not not formalize. It's, It's not about that, but like help build the frameworks or the scaffolding to help people know what that journey might look like for them. Um, 
and maybe take away a little bit of the frustration in, in terms of if people go for roles and, and they're not necessarily right in that moment or time, you know, that can be a moment where you get demotivated, right? So how do you turn that into a positive experience that they then get excited around the growth and opportunity that they still have and encourage that and support them? So, um, yeah, I think it's hugely important. We're really lucky at Mecca, not just in tech and digital, that you know, we see a lot of lateral moves. There's a lot of people that have been in the business for a really long time that have done all sorts of crazy and exciting things and have these incredible careers. So it's how do we offer that, you know, to everyone in a way that makes sense um, to them. I guess as, as, as a competitive advantage, being able to maintain that IP of people who are, um, you know, uh, ingrained in the business, understand the culture of the business, the, you know, even something simple as the products or how things are done around here, um, to be able to retain that and and you know have people look at um perhaps the same problem but from a different perspective you know often in our business we have um we have people um who obviously run you know offices in five or six different countries um and when we're having conversations with people who aren't in our business all the time day to day in in australian business but um are familiar with our business obviously because we all work for the same company um to get some real insight into just looking at the, at the at the black and white of it, um, and be able to give you some 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 pointers um, around how you might be able to do things differently, or some things that they've done from a different perspective. They work in different markets, in you know, in, in, with with different um, different customs, sometimes different social cultures, different employment cultures. Um, so having that that level of, I suppose, that balance of um, being removed from it, but understanding. Um, the you know the the the, the internal structure or, or or purpose or values of the business um, would be a massive um, contributor to being successful um, you know in other in other areas other than that 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 one silo that you you're working in um, which I think really nicely brings us um, into um, what Angelica um, wanted to talk about specifically today today um, identifying and empowering a sense of purpose in people um, you know the the and I won't. I won't just want to steal your thunder on it, uh, Angelica, but but I think that fits really nicely with um, what you're saying there about, you know, if someone's got a sense of purpose around what they want to achieve in a different role from the one they're doing right now, being able to identify that um, and and give them a pathway to that or some support in achieving that in, in however small a way, um, you know, will we'll increase that, that, that employee's engagement and a greater chance of, of retaining them longer term. So, Angelica, I'll, I'll, as, as, the, as the expert on the subject, I'll hand over to you um, to, to fill in, fill in the, the, the gaps that I've inevitably left there. Yeah, no, I think it is a really important one. And in particular, over the past couple of years, um, as we've sort of touched on already, um, people have been kind of through this process um, of working out what works for their life and what doesn't. And, um, you know, a lot came out of that around sort of flexibility and um, work-life balance and all these things. But I think ultimately the thing that's underpinned all of that for people is, you know, they've gone, is this the job that I really want? And is this aligned to what I want for my life and my purpose and they just want um, they want work with a little bit of a deeper meaning or to feel connected to what they're doing um, and so I think it's really important to make sure that you're actively um, well I think a disclaimer to this is you need to hire the right people but that's it for a different <laughs> show <laughs> um, uh, but let's assume that you have done a really good job at hiring great people um, and they're invested in your business and your strategy and they care about what you do in the world um, I think then um, it's, it's our job as um, as leaders within talent and also leaders within the business to make sure that um, we're providing and reinforcing that sense of, of that uh, that purpose and um, and reminding people why they join the business as well. Um, I think in terms of 
like actionable things, I think there's probably two key areas um, or two things to focus on here. I think the first thing you can do um, to um, to give a sense of purpose is to make sure that you're um, you're making a connection between the big picture company vision or mission and the individual and their goals. Um, and this could be, um, you know, related to how they are invested in, you know, the, the purpose of the business and why the business exists, or it could just be um, reminding people what their daily impact is. So um, everyone should know what they do every day and like what, how that contributes to, um, to what the business is doing and the mission of the business. Um, and leaders should be able to find a way to help people make that connection. Like everybody should know how they're contributing to the big picture. Um, and you know, if we can't find, um, that link, then maybe that person isn't in the right role, um, which is a different topic as well. Um, but I think it sounds pretty simple, but I think many companies, um, sort of get stuck in the minutia of the day to day. Um, and they forget that people need reminding and, um, and you know, you do need to talk about your vision all the time. You do need to connect people and um, make them feel like their impact is important. Um, and I think that's a key element um, of, I guess, the purpose side of things. Um, and then the second the second area is sort of around um, providing upskilling or career development, which we sort of touched on with Jenny's point, uh, which is really interesting. And I think, um, you know, if 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 the motivating factor isn't necessarily going to be, I am obsessed with what this company does and I want to help them get where they're going, then maybe it's more what's in it for me, which could be around career development and learning. And that's a huge motivator for, for top talent, which we know. Um, and so I really believe um, as leaders, we should make it um, our personal business um, to ensure that, um, that we're developing people and we're closing the gap between their current role and the role that they want. Um, and the only way to do that is to invest the time and have those really, really good one-on-one -on -one conversations, get to know people, understand what makes them tick, what, what they're scared of, um, you know, what, what they love about their role, where they want to be. It might not even be a career conversation. It might not be, I want to be the CEO in 10 years. It could just be, I want to be really, really good at mastering my current job and you should be helping them to do that. Um, and it sounds overwhelming, but it's really it, it really doesn't need to be. Um, I think if you can um, if you can just have the conversations um, and spend the time getting to know someone um, and be invested in their development, um, all you really need to do is break some goals down into smaller steps and work on them every week in the one on ones and talk about incremental steps um, to get them where they want to go. And I think the key thing is people want to feel like their manager cares about them. Um, and we all know the saying: people don't leave businesses; they leave managers and it's never been more true today I think um, from what I've seen so yeah that would be that would be my opinion on that. Jenny. I think the purpose thing is so um is so important and especially after the few the last few years with kind of COVID and and as going into kind of this virtual world and working from home and seeing that only the four walls of our houses and the 5Ks around the block. But it kind of got a little bit lost, I think, in, in what was happening. And now, you know, as we come back into whatever form of working people are, are doing, um, we're, we're kind of needing to have to, I guess, reinvigorate what is that purpose? What are we doing and why are we doing it? Um, and part of that at, at Mecca, we're super lucky in the fact that we are still privately owned and operated and Joe, the founder is still very active in the business, but she still hosts our Monday morning meeting. Um, 
and will as part of that meeting gives us customer feedback both positive and negative um, and part of that is to keep us as a business really connected to the to the customer and what are we doing and what is the I guess difference that we're making in their lives and it can be you know something as simple as I had a really bad day and I went into the store and had a great experience and came out feeling you know wonderful again um, and that keeps us really really connected to what we're doing and why we're doing it I think yeah it's super super critical but also kind of reinvigorating that after the last couple of years a lot of businesses will be needing to go through. Amy what do you think? Yeah, I was just going to go back to Angelica's point. She said around um, L&D can be quite overwhelming. Um, you know, it, it's absolutely critical. You know, we, we've seen, especially in the last couple of years, um, it, it going up the ranks in terms of reasons that people are leaving companies is that those opportunities aren't there. And the way that a 50 people business or a 20 people business builds an L&D program um, versus how a, a huge multinational is able to do that is going to be different. Um, not that one's better than the other. There's opportunities, um, you know, and, and, and um, pros and cons within both. Um, so I think, yeah, just being able to take that step back and recognizing where you're at and what you're able to achieve that's going to make an impact. Sometimes you have to be a little bit creative around that. But um, yeah, knowing that just because you're a smaller business doesn't mean that you're not going to invest because, oh, well, it's the opportunity to be in a startup is that what is what you should be grateful for. No, you, you still need those learning, um, those learning opportunities. And, and also your best people are going to generally be the people that are seeking out those opportunities, right? They're going to be curious. They're going to be proactive. They're going to be driven. Um, so, yeah, just I guess just thinking about creative ways that you can create these impactful opportunities, something that we've recently done is um, at will is sourced opportunities for some of our junior or mid-level devs to curate and run some workshops through um, places like Coder Academy or General Assembly. Um, so, you know, it's giving them, it's, it's helping them develop their soft skills. It's pushing them out of their comfort zone um, and it's enabling them to, you know, practice their public speaking, for example, and then they can present back to the team and, you know, debrief on what they've learned. So thinking outside the box in terms of opportunities that might sit out of the traditional L&D um, framework, I think is, is important. Yeah, again, you know, we, we, we speak to, we speak to lots of, lots of candidates all the time and, and, um, it's really the conversations now, not, not just with candidates. We, we, when we're taking on you know, new clients or speaking to new clients about assignments to um, <clears throat> to, to build a new team or to, to add to their existing team, um, the conversation. So much more of the conversation now is about what we do, how we do it, why we do it, who we do it for. Like they, the identity of the company, the values, the purpose, the mission. Like all these things are so much more important to everybody. Seemingly these days, certainly maybe we're just fortunate to be working with the, with, with you know with, with companies and um, that, that that do that. But um, um, you know, it, it's almost like the skills that you're looking for for this job. Like that's a, that's a few minutes at the end of the chat. Mm. Right? That's that's the easy bit. We'll get to that bit. Don't worry about that. What's really more important is all this stuff, um, and that's really good to see on the on on the client side because it's definitely what candidates are looking for. Um, you know, I, I, I've said I've said a few times that um, on 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 various podcasts that um, a candidate, you know, someone who is good at what they do particularly in the tech world right now, if they even think about looking for a new job, five offers, like in a heartbeat. Um, and unless one of them is paying an extortionate amount of money, and even in the circumstances, which sometimes they are, the one that they'll take, the job, the job of the offers, or the offers, the offer of those that they will accept uh, and join is almost always the one they feel most engaged with. 
um, yeah. you know, bring bring us back to the opening point of the conversation today about about the experience that people get through, um, th- you know, through through the interviews, through the onboarding, or the the um, what was it, the limbo, the um, <laughs> the notice period limbo. That was it. Yes. Um, um, so yeah, you know, it, and, and it's all that people really um, people really genuinely value that and and, and knowingly value it as well. Um, I think like, I think there's an element of, of um, you know post COVID um, reflection has has brought that, but I definitely feel like there was that was part of the conversation a lot more prior to that as well. I think perhaps it's just been escalated um, through obviously what everyone's been through over the last few years in terms of looking at um, you know what's best for me, what you know like life's too, the whole life's too short sort of thing, um, um, and it's it's really great you know working with companies and seeing so many companies that really value that and uh, and, and are prepared to. Sp- have gone through the process of actually identifying what their purposes, what their values are, and and and, and documenting it, and, and and having some form of marketing collateral around it, because you know, because then you know it's important to them. It's not just yeah. you know some words they've decided to throw out in that interview, or whatever, right? You know, so um, you know, I always think that. Um, I was saying this to somebody yesterday. You know, when we're when we're working as, as a recruitment agency, we obviously work uh, a lot of our touch points within our clients are often are often TAs. Um, um, and, and, and it's getting to the point now where if a company doesn't have a, a talent acquisition function or, or, or person, I kind of I kind of question how important recruitment yeah. is to them. <laughs> like, you know, how important is it? You know, you're saying that it's really important to have the best people, but if it's you don't see it as a separate function in your business, a specialist function in your business, um, then I'm not saying it's, you know, it's red flag. We can't work with that company, but it does kind of make me think about um or make us think about how how important that 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 is and i think that that extends to you know purpose values mission what problem we're solving what's the impact we're having on you know humanity the environment whatever it might be um uh, and that's yeah that's uh, i think it's really important it's really good to see angelica yeah i was just going to say on that just around as an example of um you know the the purpose alignment um, you know, the amount of people while I've been at Redbubble for the past three years that I've interviewed that are just so excited um, to work for a company that supports artists because they've got a sister who's an artist and struggles or an auntie or a partner or they're an artist themselves and we don't just want to go hiring artists only because there's no diversity in that. Um, but um, it's really um, it's really quite surprising to see how many people are really connecting with um, with the purpose more than they were prior to the past two years um, and so it is significantly more important and I have definitely noticed that in my conversations um, so yeah it, your, your role is, is perhaps probably more um, more internal um, than than the rest of us on the on, on the call um, is that focus on um, on or is your role just to focus purely on the people who currently work in the in the organisation, or is there does that kind of step back into the into the recruitment and, and, and onboarding and engagement process as well? Yeah, so I think um, at the moment internally focused, so basically setting up frameworks for um, for careers and looking at talent planning and things like that to help the business forecast and help um, employees in the business to um, develop um, individually, um, but. 
with the talent planning side of things, obviously um, there is an element of, okay, are we going to be able to develop all these people? Do we, in two years, are we going to need um, to go to the market uh, and, uh, and fill these gaps with external? So there is an element to that. Um, but at the moment, very much focused around building sort of the backbone foundations of this for Red Bubble. Um, we previously haven't had anything like this. So it's very exciting for me. So reflecting on Angelica's point around purpose and and impact and belonging, I think you can have the best L&D program, the most extravagant parties and social committees, the most competitive salaries. At the end of the day, if an employee doesn't feel that sense of belonging early on, and a, a term I used at the beginning just to reflect back to and kind of go full circle, doesn't feel this attachment within the first few weeks of joining, you really run the risk of all of those activities being made redundant. So um, I think attachment is a really important term to distinguish from engagement. And this is something that we can really think about when we're thinking about that pre-boarding and also onboarding process is really instilling a sense of security, trust, community and belonging in those first few weeks. Um, I think there's some studies that say that attachment into a business generally happens within the first 90 days. I think we we move so fast now that arguably it could even be within the first 45 days. And once you get past that point, it's very hard if that person isn't already hasn't already formed that sense of attachment. It's very difficult to in, engage that person. Um, so making a little distinction really between the two terms. Um, and yeah, don't know what anyone's thoughts are on that. Yeah, we, we we often internally um, at Evolution um, refer to someone's first four weeks in the business. You know, someone joining joining us internally, um, we refer to that as the fourth interview. And we have three the three interview process and off of the job. The fourth interview is the first four weeks, um, and not just us making sure that we made the right decision offering this person the right person for the business, but them as well, right? You know what's what's it what's it really like you know I'm now now I'm now I'm not in the interview in the in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in the nice boardroom now I'm actually on the on, yeah, out on the floor with all the other all the other consultants and see how things are how things are done and the the internal relationships and stuff like that um, it's really important that um you know that that there's that kind of authenticity and consistency of what they were what they were told and what they felt and what they engaged with during the the interview process actually happens when they start um because yeah. I think that's yeah that 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 attachment thing uh, it's a great word. Um, I think it's it's really anyone joining a new job, anyone starting in, you know, anyone joining a new company or starting a new job will still have that doubt until they're there for that yeah. for that first that first period of time. So yeah, it's that 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 period of attachment um, is is I think really important. Um, Great. Well, look, we've covered some really, um, really interesting topics today. I think we've 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 covered a lot there. There's some really useful insights from from everybody, um, and I've certainly um, taken some some um, some points away that I can um, I can use to make uh, myself and, and our, our organisation better at our job, um, and you know give some good insights to our to our clients and, and candidates as well. So I really appreciate your um, you give, your giving up your um, your time uh, to share that with us today, uh, and I'm sure that will be of uh, great interest. And 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 uh, and help to to our audience. So thank you very much. Um, really appreciate your time, and um, yeah, look forward to speaking to you all again very soon.